Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Friday, and you know what that means. Takes on takes here on the Prospects and Props podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner here with you once again on the show. Our favorite time of the week. We hand over the producer's mic to you. We, you provide the takes. We provide the reactions. Jamie, I know you love to not take a peek at the takes ahead of time, so your reactions are yep. completely natural uh, to the takes as I read them, and we've got some fun ones here today. Uh, I have a feeling that uh, we in yesterday's show, I think we combined used five of our six timeouts. We might use all six today. There's a, yeah, there's we a, might. I think we might use all six today based on some of the takes that I have here. But let's jump right into it. Our first take here from Carl. Take injury history should be taken into account when rating a player on overall lists. For example, Tua and Lamar have both missed significant time over the past few seasons, pushing them down significantly on my QB list in comparison to where some would put them. I can I can argue both sides of this. Which again is, I guess, not the point of this. Wow, takes, that's, wow. or thanks this for, episode. Thanks but for coming to takes on takes and playing the middle. I'll say it with this. I'll start with this before I give my answer. What I have done in the past when I've been asked to rank lists or whatever, and like our TDN Premium Discord or watch alongs or anything else, is I've used injury history as a tiebreaker. If I had two players on a very similar skill set in my mind, I would defer to the player that had a more startling health history than one that did not. Uh, I guess my the spirit of this take is really about whether or not you should rank players significantly lower because of their injury history. And my argument would be it depends on the list. Are you doing a list of most talented players or a list of best players? Because I think that's two different questions. Because I think you you don't need to account for injuries as much when you're just talking about pure talent versus best. Uh, but I guess, Chris, you're going to want me to answer this question or answer this take. Yes, I am. I would say that I do think it needs to be used a little bit more. But I do worry that it's gonna it gets misapplied or counted multiple times. Like, I do feel like that, like, in a vacuum, yes, it's, it's, it's a factor. I mean, you, what's the old cliche? Your best ability is your availability. Sure. But I do wonder if it just ends up getting used if we say, oh, yeah, you have to account for injury history. That just pushes down anybody that has a major injury history. Because, like, to me, I would not start – like, let me give you this example, Chris, because we talk about quarterbacks and he, and he brings up Lamar Jackson. Even though that he's had an injury history, and this other quarterback I'm going to mention doesn't. I'm not ranking Kirk Cousins above Lamar Jackson. Not happening. Not in a million years. NFL list. Not, not so happening. I still think it should be used as a tiebreaker. I still think it matters. But I I fear that when this gets brought up, it gets brought up to artificially push somebody way down the list. Yeah. And my issues, by the way, with Tua, just to bring this up, it's not. I mean, obviously injuries are a factor, but it's also like we saw this one season. I think that part's getting completely glossed over in the concussion discussion that surrounded Tua is that he still has and doesn't have enough volume for us to really definitively say what he is as a quarterback. Yeah, look, I, for me, I, I, I echo a lot of the sentiments that you had there, Jamie. <clears throat> but, like, 
the the list itself matters, right? I was just doing my roster rankings for 2023, right? And when discussing groups for positions, like if a player was coming off of an injury and we had questions on what version of them they were going to be in 2023, that factored into where I put them. So I, I depends on the list on whether or not I'm I'm putting injury history into account. But I think you're and I think it might be more of a straw man example, but I think it's a fair one. Nobody on planet Earth is taking Kirk Cousins over Lamar Jackson if they need to win one game in, you know, to save their life. They're taking Lamar Jackson because he's a difference maker, right? And because the game would probably be in prime time and Kirk Cousins wouldn't play well. But well, but, then, but Chris, on that point, if I could stop you for a second, but that's where it comes back to what is the point of the list? Right. The, 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 what the list because is attempting to define absolutely matters whether or not I'm going to take history into account. But this, but this is where I say I think when you start to define that we need to put a a a, a finite number or a exact piece of information based on injury, where I think this gets double counted, because we already factor this stuff in. I think we already use injury as a tiebreaker subconsciously when we're making these lists. So if I said give me the top, because here here's where I say that like this argument or this take makes sense in a vacuum but doesn't necessarily apply the way I think people think it does when we actually do it. Name me a quarterback list that you would make right now that would change significantly in your rankings if we said, well, account for injuries more. Who are you now ranking above Lamar Jackson that you wouldn't have ranked above him before? So I feel like we're already accounting for this when we make these lists, that we don't have to yeah. like overtly say it. I think we're subconsciously already talking about it. Because if Lamar had played 16 or 17 games every season, we're talking about him like we talk about Joe Burrow and Josh Allen. Maybe not like Mahomes, because Mahomes is in a class of his own, but we're talking about yes. him in that next year. 100%. The only reason why we're not is because of the injuries, and that doesn't change if we start accounting for injuries more. Uh, right. We already are doing it. We're already doing it. It's already kind of baked into to the, to the number. Uh, this next take here from the Sports Nut, and it is a, I, apparently a title take, because he says take, and mm -hmm. then he has t pasted in a tweet. And the, the tweet comes from the four-man rush. This tweet was from four days ago, Jamie, so it's very, it's very recent. Okay. Running back rookie contracts should have options after year two problem solved. All right. So I, I'm, I'm actually, I, I'm glad that we have this this time because I, I wanted to talk about this running back stuff for a little bit now. Um, look, multiple things can be true simultaneously. There, the fact that, Arby's are kind of getting jobbed is very true. But there's nothing that we can reasonably do about it that I think makes any sort of sense. This And here's why. This suggestion, just real quick, Jamie, this suggestion yeah. is, and I mean this with the utmost of respect, it's laughable, this suggestion. Laughable. Yeah, it, to put a specific contract limit on a position group that would have to be put in the CBA and agreed to by the Players Association, not in a million years is the Players Association going to agree to this. Oh, well, no, of course they're not. And also, by the way, uh, there, there's a lot of things wrong with this. One, the fact is, is why would they take guaranteed four-year rookie contracts and then make them half the, half the length? That there's no chance that they would do that. Two, when we start narrowing, and, and I know they've gotten away with it when we have the franchise tag conversation. But when we start narrowing down to these specific position provisions, you're going to see some tomfoolery. 
because if this were to be, let's say Chris is, and, and then I'll get back to my argument in a second, but sure. if, if we were to take this take and make this a suggestion for this year. Okay. If I'm the Falcons or the Lions, I'm listing Bijan Robinson, Jameer Gibbs as wide receivers. What's stopping me? Expl- explain what's stopping me from listing them as wide receivers. I mean, I, right? I, I mean, there, 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 there's nothing, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. Yes, I think that's the. So you're gonna end up. So why would T? You know what I mean? I, I actually, I think this would probably hurt the position more than anything because we could talk about teams not wanting to spend higher capital on a Bijan or, J, uh, or Jameer Gibbs, knowing they have to only really have two years of guarantee instead of four, or I guess two years in an option versus four in an option. Right. You think you think all of a sudden it's going to mean more running backs get drafted in the first round? You think no. that means more running backs get high-dollar contract No, it's extensions? less. No, it's less. Which means they're going to get less money up front and still have the same issue. Also, if they have um, options after year two, what does that look like? Isn't that well, not just exactly the situation that the Giants find themselves in with Saquon Barkley right I, now just I two years earlier? This is this take also is... is just really laughable. It's the word laughable is the word that I use. Another reason there's a fundamental misunderstanding of why this is happening. And all of the solutions that I have seen rarely actually address the very simple issue that we have here. There is a supply oversurge. That is the issue that we have here. There is a supply and demand ratio that is completely out of whack, which is what's causing this. It's not a talent issue. So a running back, let's play the scenario where a running back is two years and then tagged. Let's just play this, this asinine scenario. Out. Right. Okay. They're still not going to get paid in year four. Right. This is not an issue of people don't think Josh Jacobs is talented. This is not an issue of people don't think Saquon Barkley is talented. This is an issue of a at a on a per dollar basis there are a glut of available options that they can get for cheaper than paying even an elite running back at the position. And the opportunity cost of what those dollars could get you at another Correct. position that is more important in today's NFL. Correct. So this is not an issue of talent and or it's not an issue of talent in the way people are thinking about it. So overall, and I think that all ties into my overall argument here, which is the problem is, is people are trying to solve a problem that is not solvable in the current state because one of two things has to happen. And one of them would be, would be a crazy change to the sport. And the second one has to happen naturally. So we can't just legislate it. The first one is just say no more salary cap. Take the salary cap away. People are going to have issues paying running backs. Right. But that's not going to happen. Never going to happen. Two, we, over time, there needs to be a shift in where the most talented athletes start playing. And when the most talented athletes start playing at different positions and there are less talented running backs available, naturally over time – running back will then become a more scarce resource. The issue now is not that there is people don't want to pay talent. It's that there is too much talent available, which drives down the overall cost of talent, which makes people not want to spend money even on the top end talent. That is what we have. This is a supply demand issue. NFL Econ 101 with Jamie Eisner coming to a it, but, master but, but class near you. that's what we're dealing with. And, yes. and it's frustrating to me of this like, we're missing the – there's no level of legislation that you're going to have on the league circles that's going to change this because their problem isn't 
what people seem to believe it is. Well, and let's let's use let's look at this example. If they have options after two years, after year two, there's an option. What would that be? Instead of a fifth year option, it would be a third year option. Is that is that the is that the argument here? Correct. So instead so of in you year, have a third year option, so, so instead and then of you tag the fourth year, right? You're still having the same problem, but or, you're having the same problem two years sooner. Or yeah, right. Instead of instead of being tagged after year four, like your Saquon Barkley, you're tagged after year two. Like you've just expedited the problem. And if if I'm a team, if I'm a team, and I'm drafting a guy in the first round at a position that I know because of this rule and legislatively. I'm only going to get two years out of before I have to. Oh, yeah, I'm never pay. drafting a running back in the first. I'm round. never drafting a running back. It's never going to happen. Doing it, never doing it again in the first round. This so what, what have you? And, you've and created a new problem. I understand what they're saying in the sense of you give the op- them an opportunity to hit free agency a little bit earlier. So instead of working on the back two years of a rookie contract, even on a low ball free agent deal, will be more than that. But Jimmy, I, I understand oh, that point, but that doesn't solve the problem. That's the there is an assumption being made by that being the solution that when these players hit the free agent market, that they would get paid a ton of money. I ask you the question, Jamie. I ask this question honestly. Yeah. If Saquon Barkley was a free agent, would he command the money that he's attempting to get from the New York Giants? No. I don't think the but answer to I, the question is yes. But what I will say is that, again, if they were, if we're trying to find a sliver of, of positivity in this, in this take, it's that no matter almost no matter what they get in free agency it'll probably be a little bit more than what the back 2 years of a standard rookie contract would be that that's the only silver lining like even if they get a 2 million dollar a year deal right. 4 million dollar you know what i mean it'll probably be more than what they would have made back there so i i get that but again that only benefits guys that are taken in the middle rounds the other that that, that would benefit a guy like isaiah pacheco more than it would benefit a guy like saquon by the way came out. did you see isaiah pacheco says he thinks he's going to be ready for week 1 hope so music to our ears um, I mean, Jimmy, the other, the other solution to this, and I, again, this is another thing that I don't think would ever happen. If you were to eliminate the franchise tag and you were to eliminate the transition tag, that's the other element to this, because if there was no franchise would, tag and there was no transition tag, Saquon Barkley would hit free agency and not have this arbitrary block on him. Now I will say this. I do think it's, I do think it would be a good idea for the players to fight against the franchise tag. They it, never, they never seem to long-term it gets brought up. It gets brought up in a cursory conversation around CBAs and it never gets taken out. Right. Because franchises absolutely want that. It's an unbelievably powerful tool. It hasn't it helped the help. players. I don't think it's helped it the players. It would help. At all. But here's the thing of do we think Saquon Barkley would make that much more money on the if in the free agency? No. Like no, I, I don't. Yes, it like the issue with Barkley is not that he's not going to get paid well this year. He would get paid pretty well this year. It's just there's no security long term. So like again, it doesn't address the actual issue. Like, that's the thing. I think people are trying to come up with solutions to the auxiliary pieces of the problem without actually addressing the problem, which is only addressed in two fashions. You can make things a little bit better. I think eliminating the franchise tag would be a better move for every single player in the NFL, regardless of position. But it doesn't change the fact that there is there, – Chris, this is, the, this is the inverse, but there's a reason why – we'll talk about the same team – why the Giants paid Daniel Jones $40 million a year. Over four years, but really two. But like, but you know what I mean. Like, it's because why there isn't enough talent right. at the quarterback position to go around, and the opportunity cost of what they could lose in Daniel Jones in their mind was worth paying that price because they couldn't find an adequate replacement. I mean, Jamie, the, if, the per year, the average per year value, and again, Saquon, Tony Pollard, and Josh Jacobs are on one year ten point oh nine one million dollar contracts. Yeah, that average per year, and again, it's only one year. 
is sixth highest at the position. Yeah. The only players that are in front of that number are Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, and Christian McCaffrey. Those yeah. three guys are being paid in the elite tier of the position. They yes. just want more, and they want more security. And they want long term. Right. You know, and so I get that. And again, I'm all for players getting their money. Do, do not do not misconstrue this argument as being anti-player getting their money. No. But the issue here that has to be addressed is the supply and demand issue. And any quote-unquote proposed solution that doesn't take that into account is a waste of time. Do you have a pen and paper handy? No. Because you're gonna probably one. you're gonna probably need one for this next thing. All right, hold on. Yeah, let me know when you're ready. There's the pen clicking. Okay, I see the pen clicking. All right, I got it. You ready? What am I what am I writing down? Let's take from Bailey. Take. If every division put forward a wide receiver trio for eleven personnel, the AFC East would have the best group with Tyreek, Diggs, and Waddle. And then Bailey proceeded to rank all eight divisions with their groups. So you might need to write some names down here if you oh, good Lord. To All right, so I'm trying to find the best division, and his take is that it's the AFC East. His take is Correct. the AFC East. He has them at number one with Tyreek, Diggs, and Waddle. And again, this is for 11 personnel. Okay, so three wide, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Three That's what we're talking That's about. That's what we're doing. Um, okay. So I guess we'll start with this, Chris. Do you, as an ASC East fan yourself, do you agree with that? Theory? I mean, I feel some type of way about Garrett Wilson not being in this group personally. But I know you do, but I, I, I am. I think this is the correct. But I, I'm not theory. against this. Um, okay. I'm able to see the full list that Bailey put together. And how about you read those names for our users? Because our users that might be like our, our listeners that might be in their car or sure, sure. I don't know, playing World of Warcraft so, with this in the background. So he like, has, might not. That's a weird crossover, World of Warcraft and Prospects and Props, but it, it, it's, it's, it's possible. So here's the order that he has it in. The AFC okay. East with Tyreek Diggs and Waddle, number one. The NFC East with A.J. Brown, McLaurin, and C.D. Lamb at number two. Devonta Smith hate re- is real. Uh, the NFC North at number three with Jefferson, D.J. Moore, and Amon Ross St. Brown. Love to, see, love to see the Amon Ross St. Brown. At number four, the AFC North, Chase, Higgins, Cooper. The NFC West at five with Metcalf, Debo, and Cup. The AFC West at six with Adams, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams. The AFC South at seven with Hopkins, Pittman, and Ridley. And the NFC South at the bottom with Edwins, or, I'm sorry, Evans, Godwin, Olave. Hmm. I mean, I, I do think the AFC East is the best of that bunch. Yes. I, I want to go through these again. So give me the other – because I, I want to go through division by division and pick our three off the top of our head. Okay. So we, I agree with the AFC East. NFC East. What was the next one? And what AJ did Brown, the Terry McLaurin, yes. C.D. Lamb. Get me – Devonta Smith over Terry McLaurin. I'm fine with that. You're fine with the, it's list, close. the list the way it currently is? With your list. With my change. With Devonta, yeah, Smith Devonta Smith needs to be in a It's close. It's close, I, I, but I, I would, I would want Devonta Smith. Okay. The, the NFC North. Jefferson, DJ Moore, Amon Ross, St. Brown. I don't think there's anybody else that we need to consider. Uh, Yeah, I'm cool with that. The AFC North. Chase, Higgins, Cooper. I can't, I'm going to have a hard time arguing that point. I'm just trying to think, is there anybody else? No. Boyd, any of the Steelers wide receivers? No, Boyd, Deontay, no. No, that's Odell the Odell Beckham Jr. All right, that's the Stop list. Stop it. I'm just giving you names in the division, Stop dude. It. Not saying that I agree. The NFC West, Metcalf, Debo, and Cup. Okay, this uh, – so 
I wouldn't have Debo in there. Oh boy, who are you putting in there? You putting Tyler Lockett in Cup there? and Metcalf are for sure. You putting Tyler Lockett? You putting Hollywood Brown? Because those are your two options. I'm gonna put Brand- I'd put Brandon Ayuk over all of them. Brandon Ayuk in there over. I still all think of Brandon Ayuk's a better a better wide receiver than Debo Samuel. I, don't I know think- I'm gonna be on that on that list. I don't but. think I totally disagree, but okay. Tyler Lockett would have an argument in there because I think the Lockett versus Ayuk versus Debo is interesting, but I, I would put uh, Ayuk in there. I know I'm going to be on the island with this. I've just, I think Debo Samuel is a fun football player, but it's not as good a receiver as people think. Are you on the island of rel- relevancy with Brandon Ayuk? Apparently. Apparently. Uh, the AFC West. Devontae Adams, I think we're okay with. Yeah, that that's the clear, obvious, and no doubter. No Chiefs on the list I'm okay with as well. Keenan Allen and Mike yeah. Williams. Do you are you going to consider Jerry Judy? You're going to consider Cortland Sutton? You're going to consider any of the, the Broncos wide receivers? No. This goes back to a take earlier of what we do with health. So, yeah, but it's also like a weirdly like that division's kind of weird yeah, with the not, wide receivers. It's not a great list. Uh, the AFC South: Hopkins, Pittman, and Ridley. Sure. And is there anybody that I would want to take over DeAndre Hopkins? Christian Kirk, maybe. This this is an interesting one because you've got Hopkins, you've got Pittman. You've got Ridley. You've got London. Uh, excuse me? Drake London plays oh, no, in the NFC sorry. South, not the AFC South. Sorry, Appreciate NFC you. South. Appreciate you being or AFC South, South. sorry. Um, the only other yeah, name you could problem. consider is Christian Kirk, I think. I wouldn't put him in over Ridley. I, I, I had a Ridley Falcons flashback for a half second there. Um, Clearly that's a half in there. Yeah, I'm fine with that. And, and then the NFC South is Evans, Godwin, and Olave. Drake London, I know you. I know you wanted to get him in the other division just so you can have. I wouldn't him on the put list. him in over Olave. I wouldn't put him in over Ed. No, I think I'm fine with that. Okay, so then there's the list. Nice, that's a pretty good list. Pretty good list. Um, this next take from Celine: the NFL should have bird Dion. rights. Also, NFL should have some sort of arbitration period, not exactly, but sort of like the NHLs for players who get tagged, since it, since it's being misused by teams. So when you tag no. someone, it's not a one year in discard. It keeps the player from hitting free agency while you figure out an extension. If no agreement is reached, a third party comes in and settles on an extension, uh, something like that. Yeah, no. Uh, here, here's wh- here's why. Again, this goes back to the argument I talked about before. And again, they're not that these aren't interesting ideas. They still don't solve the problem. And any ideas that put more gates between players and free agency is makes the problem exponentially worse. So can I say something? Sure. I would mu- I would much rather the franchise tag system in the NFL operate more like the offer sheet system in the NBA and the NHL. Yes, but that's technically a restricted free agent right. system, which I'm fine with. Right, but and and one version of the tag does allow you to go out and get a offer and it be matched by the team. I just think Yes, overall, as we saw with Lamar. I think overall at the highest level, the top tag option should include you being able to go elsewhere. Correct. I, I think that because I, I would argue that, yes, if you wanted to do something like that, which technically gets a player to the free agency sooner, it's a different type of free agency, but it gets them sooner. But yes, I do think that you should, if you tag a player, again, it still doesn't solve this issue. But it, but it does, though. But because, it would help a little bit. But I think it does. Does it? Because here's why. If, let's use Saquon and the New York Giants. Let's say the Giants f- placed the tag on Saquon Barkley, but he was still a restricted free agent. And any offer that Saquon Barkley got, the Giants could match, right? Yeah. Well, guess what? I mean, and we saw this with Lamar where it didn't necessarily work this way because there was some level of collusion, I think, to to not give him a contract. Well, it's also two first-round picks. It, right. Like, I if that's think the compensation for running backs, it's not going to change. It's not going to happen. So it would have to, the scale would have to be a little different. But I do think there would be a team that would offer him a more market-level multi-year contract 
And then the Giants can say, oh, you did the work for us. Okay, we'll just match it. And for Saquon, that's a win. He gets his long-term deal, and he doesn't have to fight with the team. Is it always going to work that way? No, it's not going to be perfect. No, but it still doesn't solve the major issue that we're dealing with here. But I also think we could, you could solve that issue just by eliminating the franchise tag. <laughs> so sure, but I think I think the offer sheet is a way allows a, a match. Yeah, first it, right refusal, well, and it allows yeah. it allows the owners to, and the teams to still feel like they have some level of protection on their own players and trying to keep them in house. Right? I think if you eliminated the franchise tag altogether, I think you would see the teams push back harshly against that. Where oh, they sheet, won't do it. Right, an yeah, offer sheet, I think, is a ever. good compromise. That's what you have to do in a CBA. you got to compromise. I think that would be a nice compromise that would still keep the sure. integrity of what the system is supposed to be, but give the players a little bit more leverage. And, and that would help the tippy-top guys, but doesn't solve the overall problem. But yes, it would solve Saquon and Josh Jacobs' problem, um, to at least some extent. My, my issue is here is that like anything that gives more rights to the team to hold you for longer... Now... Uh, the one thing that I would be in favor of, and and I do like the way in the NHL, and I know Bird Rights kind of operates in the, this fashion. I'm not as familiar with the NBA cap system as I am with baseball, hockey, and football. But one thing that the NHL did that I thought was a step in the right direction was that if you re-signed with your current team, you were able you were able to offer players an extra year. Yeah, the Supermax in the NBA. Now, that won't work in the NFL because teams don't actually necessarily want to give players extra years. That's not what they want. But I do think there should be, if there's something like the bird rights where you said that, where it's a, you can go over the cap, you can go a over cap the, reduction, right? You can go for over resigning your own players mm-hmm. that I would be in favor of. What if you but, got like a 5% cap relief for signing a guy that you drafted or something like that? Yeah. I, I think that would be incredibly interesting. Because then I think that raises the value of draft picks. It it right. encourages players. Like I, I it encourage now. What I one thing I don't want is them to have an opportunity to offer you more potential money than somebody else. Because then that's again screwing with the market a bit. You should be able to have the free market there. But I do like the idea of having a almost like a um like a, what we call like a, a cap refund or something, a yeah. cap credit. Yeah. For lack of a better like a phrase. rebate. Yes. Yeah. Where where you can where you could go over the cap and X number of mount based on like that would be really interesting. But again, doesn't it would help the top guys, but it doesn't solve the overall issue. Let's take from Taylor. Because Pete. again, that's still a limited amount. And if you're the Giants, you still would have picked Daniel Jones to go over that than you would have picked Saquon. Correct. So it's like not, that's it's where not, this it's, it's not a perfect solution, but I think it pushes us in the right direction. Yes. The NFL okay. can get more creative if they if they here's the thing, they don't want to. hundred percent. If they wanted to pay these guys, they would. They don't. Uh, this take from Taylor B. A good whiteout uniform is better than a good blackout uniform. I don't know if I agree with this. I don't have a strong opinion on this. A good uniform is a good uniform. That's also a good take from you. That's a great take. So, uh, I don't. Uh, we have another take from Bailey here. Take. The Patriots will pick top five. We overrate them last year. The QBs they beat last they beat last year were Trubisky, Goff, Brissett, Zach Wilson twice, Colt McCoy, Sam Ellinger, and Skylar Thompson. With the exception of Goff, who Belichick always makes terrible, no one else starts this year week one. Every other team they played with a projected start of this season, they lost. Add in Aaron Rodgers to the division and naturally getting less lucky playing backups, and they could struggle a lot. Seven of the first eight QBs on the schedule are Allen, Tua twice, Rodgers, Dak, Carr, and Hurts. If they make a slow start, it will get ugly. 
There are already rumblings of discontent behind the scenes, and the head coach hates the QB. All of it will culminate in a disaster season and a top five pick. I'm going to sell this. And, and I, I under, the logic is reasonable. I will say this. I understand how they get to this solution. Uh, I think there's a misunderstanding, in my opinion, of, of the level of play I think they're going to get from their defense, uh, which has slowly become one of the more unheralded units. I would also argue that while, yes, their wins last year were very unimpressive against an unimpressive group of opponents, they also were having an offense with both hands tied behind their back. And I think that factors in as well. I don't think they're going to be a good team. Uh, if, you, if you extrapolate this out to picking in the top 10, I would say that's probably more reasonable. Uh, but I don't – like to pick in the top five, like what was the top five pick this year? Four wins? Five wins? Um yeah, I think so. I'll pull it up just to make sure, but I think, I think you, I think six wins got you way outside the, the top five. This is not this one. was the Saints pick, right? That went to the Eagles, or what was the? I, I, the draft order is just completely so blank. The Bears picked one. They had two wins, right? Yeah. Houston with their pick didn't have a ton. Two wins, well. Arizona didn't have a ton of wins. Indy didn't have a ton of wins. Seattle from Denver. Denver won five games. Denver. So five. Okay. I mean, so five, that that's a 12-loss season. I, I'm not – I don't it's think – It's possible. The I don't think it's likely, games. but it's possible. Got two I think more... the Patriots are going to be in that seven-ish win range. I think that's fair. I think they're a seven and ten-ish team. We've got two more takes here on the show. This take from Cryptic Slow. Take. Justin Fields has declared he will be the first Bear to pass 4,000 passing yards in a season this year. And if he does not, it is fair to call him a bust. Ooh, okay. That there's two different takes. A lot here. going on. There. Uh, the first one, he's not throwing for four thousand no, yards. I'll, I'll take the under on four thousand passing yards. Um, I appreciate his zeal uh, and his That's confidence. A nice That's a nice word. But I don't think the offense is set up in a way for him to do that. Um, you know my thoughts on their offense. I, I don't think it. I don't think him not getting four thousand yards makes him a bust, though. I, I think I think that's a two two binary of a yes no answer there. I, I have to see him this year. There's a lot of things I need to see from him as a passer, uh, as an overall quarterback, as an operator of the offense. Those are the things I need to see. Um, I, I don't anticipate we're going to be able to declare him a bust after this year, but I think we're going to have a strong lean one way or the other. But I don't think they're the arbitrary mark of – like he doesn't have to throw for 4,000 yards to impress me this year. I, I don't think that that benchmark where you say that's not that many yards, but it could be for that offense. So uh, th- uh, there's uh, this is going to be more of an eye test season for me because I think people did the opposite last year. That they didn't actually look at what was happening in the field. They saw the, the crazy rushing numbers and they declared him the next, the next big thing. And by the way, I will mention this, big Justin Fields fan. He was my QB2 of that draft coming out behind Trevor Lawrence. So I'm not a Justin Fields hater. I just feel like the, the, the pendulum has swung completely to the other side here for really no discernible reason. And and I think this this is going to be I am treating this year for Justin Fields a lot like we treated last year for Tua. I feel the same way about coming in where we saw flashes of things we liked, but there were a lot of things that had to happen. And he got a shiny new wide receiver to add to the roster to help make things better. Uh in this case it's a second year with a new coach, not a first year with a new coach like it was for Tua last year, but like I kind of feel like we're on the fence. Like I can go either way with him, but I'm going to need 17 games to make this determination. 
I am not ready to declare it one way or the other. And there's not a specific statistical goal that I need to see from them. Last take here from Sam Teets. Take the commanders should rebrand as the Washington Wild slash Warhawks. He says pick one, Wilder War, uh, to pay homage to their famous offensive line. I do think something hogs related would be. And they're going to change their name again. A right? smart move. That's all, yeah, all confirmed. Like, yeah, they're going to absolutely. Do I know it. they said that everything's on the table and we'll think about they're it. That's it. that's like code word for we're changing the name. They're doing it. It's one. I know you talked about it in the TDN Daily today where you were like, you know, it, it eliminates all of the Daniel Snyder stuff. But quite frankly, there's an economic play too. It's an influx of money. Dollars. Lots of merchandise. Team rebrands. A lot of dollars coming. Um, I, I do think I don't, I'm not good at naming things. I'll admit that. So I, I don't have like a a thing off the top should, of my head. But I do. Just I do how long think it took us to come up with a name for this show. I know. Good Lord. Um, but I do think something that pl- pays homage to to the hogs would make a lot of sense. And I do think the color should stay. The burgundy and gold should stay. Yeah, I'm but, good with that. Uh, I, I need any other combination. I'm fine with at this point. I. I to me, it's it's is the something that the fans in the community gravitate toward. It's not for me. Right. I'm exactly. I'm not I'm not a Washington football team commanders fan. Right. So it doesn't matter to me what they name it. If the community likes it, usually anything that pays homage to better times and a tradition usually gets liked by the fans. So that would be so I, I like this take, but I will defer to those in the DMV uh to make that call. It's going to do it for us here on this edition of the show. Another week of shows in the books. We got fun ones for you next week. We got a tight end show to kick off the week. We're going to do some news and notes stuff next week. Share our thoughts on some of the big stories ahead of training camp starting. So a lot of fun stuff coming to you guys next week here on the podcast. Also some QB interception props as well. But in the meantime, please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, share the show. We greatly do appreciate it. We've got the video version of the show available over on the Draft Network YouTube channel. Go over there, interact with everything. We greatly do appreciate it. That's going to do it for us here on this edition of the show. Hope you all have a great weekend. Talk to y'all on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.